Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to turn with me to Philippians. Philippians, we're going to be in chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, um, I'm, I'm going to have the, the passage up on the screen. We're just looking at six verses this morning. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And if you don't have a Bible, we have those uh, Bibles in the, the bottom of the seats in front of you. And actually, like right before I came up here, I was like, what's that number? So it's 1783. I have it on my hand. 1783 is a number if you want to use that seatback Bible. And if you don't have a Bible at home, I would encourage you to take that with you. Um, we, would love to, we would love to have to get more Bibles uh, because people are taking Bibles home with them. Um, but this morning as we, as we look at Philippians, uh, I, was, I was thinking about uh, when, when, I was, when I was in college, um, there's, always, there's always kind of downtimes, especially in odd parts of the day, and instead of doing homework, which I probably should have been doing, um, a, a, a better option at the time seemed like uh, daytime television. And, and there's, no better, there's no better segment of TV than, than daytime television, like right in the middle of the day, right? Totally kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and at the time, I remember there was kind of a, a bunch of, of shows that were kind of going around the same, kind of the same concepts like uh, Ricky Lake and Mari and um, who's that really crazy one? Remember? Springer? Jerry Springer. Right. None of us watch that in here. Right. No, none of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, crazy stuff. But but I remember watching daytime television, and and you know, Judge Judy. She's she was always fun to watch. But but you know, Mari and all those. Um, I remember there was a, a series of like a kind of a season where it was either when you turned into Ricky Lake and all these, it was either like paternity tests, like that baby ain't mine, or uh, like you know, scare my kids, right? Put them on the right path. And, and it, was, it was funny because especially the, like the scare my kids to be better uh, uh, shows, you know, it's, it's like that, that's just parenting 101 right there, good parenting. Like nothing, nothing brings about transformation than yelling really loud, right? Amen? Uh, t again, kidding. You're probably getting it right, but but it, it was so it was so interesting because when you watch these shows, that they'll bring out this kid. It's like, oh, you know, I don't need school. My parents are dumb and all this, you know. And and they they bring out this kid. And it's like the parents are like, I can't do anything with them. You know, they dress like that and all this stuff. And and then what happens is they bring out like a drill sergeant, you know, and they just start do you want to take me on? You know, whatever. They're, they're just yelling right in the kid's face and the kid starts off just like this, like, oh, whatever. And then, and then they take him to, to like a whatever, like they throw him in the woods or they throw him in jail and all these prisoners are yelling at him. Everybody's yelling at him. And then, and then some, at some point in the show, the kid breaks down like, I want my mom and, and I want to go to school. And all, you know, they break down and they start crying. And then, and then at the end of the show, they bring the kid back out and, and they're like, do you want to go to school now? Yeah. And everybody claps. Oh, oh man. You know, scare my kids. Did it again. Right? Changed again. See, the reality, we know, we know watching those shows, that's dumb. It doesn't do anything, right? Scaring it or yelling at your kids. Most, I mean, it might bring about behavior modification. It might change the, the current behavior, which sometimes as a parent, you're like, yeah, that's all I want. 
I just want my kid to stop doing whatever it is. And sometimes, like when your kids are little and they're running out into the parking lot and you yell, that's appropriate, right? Because you want your kid to stop doing what they're doing in that moment. Ah, stop, get back, you know, and they stop. But see, when, when we do things like this, it doesn't bring about transformation. It actually just brings behavior modification. And, and probably, if we're honest, it only brings about behavior modification when you're around as the parent or when your parent's around. But when the parent's gone, that behavior modification goes out the window, right? See, we know that doesn't work. And yet, oftentimes, we do that to each other. We do that to ourselves. We think, if I can just get bigger, if I can just get louder, if I can just, if I can just use enough shame, then transformation will happen. I, I was talking to uh, somebody I deeply love this past week, and I was actually just apologizing. And, 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 you know, oftentimes what I've realized as I continue to get older, I'm almost 42, feeling it. Whew, yeah. Thanks for clapping for that. <laughs> I'm feeling it in my body, right? And, and I don't know if it's just me getting older. Probably not. Probably it's just been around for a long time. I'm just noticing it more. But most of my uh, feelings and emotions present themselves as anger. Right? It's like, I'm angry, and it's because I'm sad. Or, or I feel helpless, and it presents itself as anger. And I was, uh, I was apologizing to this person that I deeply love and saying, man, all this comes out. But, but lots of times what happens is we feel things, and we get bigger, and we do this to ourselves, too. Like, we, we, we try and shame ourselves. Our body doesn't look the way we want it to. And so we shame ourselves. And look at you. You're really going to eat one more cookie? You really think you need that? You know, right past the lips, onto the hips. Sure? You sure you want that? Or, or we, we, we try and get mad at ourselves. I always do this. I'm such a loser. I'm, I got to work out more. I got to do this. Like we do all this stuff to ourselves. We do it to other people thinking that's what's going to bring transformation. Thinking that's what's going to heal our world. We're just got to get angry. We got to use shame, performance, all these different things. And yet the reality as we continue to look through this book is that that doesn't bring transformation. Like all throughout scripture, it might, again, it might bring about behavior modification, but behavior modification has never been the goal. I mean, even God says when he talks to his people in the Old Testament, he says, you bring all these sacrifices to me and I'm sick of them. I'm sick of your sacrifices. He says, your right behavior makes me sick. What I want is your heart. Stop doing this and start being this. I want your heart. I want relationship with you. I want you as a person. See, the, the goal has never been behavior modification. It's always been heart transformation. And as we look at Scripture, as we look at Philippians, we see that, that joy is the way to transformation. And, and if we break it down even, even further, we, can, we see that identity plus belonging equals transformation. Identity plus belong who we are, who we're with, that brings about transformation, not shame, not anger, not feeling something you're getting bigger. Oh! Saying, okay, who am I? Who are my people? And, and coming to a place of transformation. And, and that's, that's what we see. See, what we see in this beginning, the, the introduction to Philippians. This is a letter that Paul is writing to his friends, to people he loves. What we see is Paul reminds them, first of all, of whose they are. 
of whose they are so that they can remember who they are. Okay? Paul reminds them of whose they are so that they can remember who they are. See, the reality is if we forget whose we are, we are going to forget who we are. And so this is what Paul shows us here in this passage. So if you would stand with me, we're going to read this passage together. And what we do around here is uh, after we get done reading it, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And you're going to say, thanks be to God. It's just what we do here in honor of God's word. Um, so let's, let's read this together. Philippians chapter 1, 1 through 6. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, God, for your word. And I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds. Give me the, the words to speak and give us ears to hear. We thank you. It's in your name. Amen. You can be seated. What we see first and foremost in this passage that we're looking at this morning is this is an introduction to the letter. And lots of times what we do, especially for those of us who have been in church for a long time, we read like introductions and conclusions and we just kind of gloss over it. And we forget that, wow, Paul isn't just writing, dear John. Like there's, there's reasons, like the, even, even thinking, about, um, thinking about why letters were written. Like, like letters weren't just throwaway. You couldn't just go to Hobby Lobby and buy a bunch of postcards that were cute and, and, and you know, just thinking about you and drop it in the mailbox, right? No, this is, this, like, if you wanted to write a letter, you got to find papyrus, you got to find the, the animal skins, you got to find the different things that they use to write these letters on. You got to write, and then, and then it takes, like, at, at least but between two weeks, depending on when Paul wrote this and where he was, it was either two weeks or a month to get this to the person. You talk about delayed gratification, right? And then the turnaround where it's like, okay, did they get my letter? And it's been two months. It should be about time. Like, we get worked up and anxious if we send a text message and it's left on read, right? I didn't even know what that meant until my kids were telling me, right? And we get worked up if it's like, well, I text them. It's been two minutes. What could they possibly be doing? Even if we're driving, we still, you know, like, we pretend like we don't, but most of the time we do. Right? And, and yet, Paul is writing this letter, and in these introductions, you guys are just so focused on the fact that I text and drive. Like, I don't. Other people do, right? <laughs> what Paul is doing here, though, is he's writing this introduction, and even the introduction has meaning for who he's writing to. You see, first and foremost, he says, Paul and Timothy, and again, Timothy is Paul's kind of understudy. It's this, Paul is Timothy's spiritual father. He brought him into the faith, and he says, Paul and Timothy, and again, he's writing to the Philippians, and most likely, he's including Timothy because the Philippians knew Timothy. They loved Timothy. Uh, in Acts 16, the beginning of the church, Timothy was right there at the beginning. It's like if we, you know, if I had you on speakerphone, I was like, hey, I got Timothy here with me, and you're like, oh, Timothy, so good to hear you, man. It's been so long. You know, that's what they're doing. He's like, I got Timothy right here with me. And he says, servants of Christ Jesus. 
Again, we read this and we can gloss over these terms and we think, oh yeah, that's just how Paul talked. That's just what he talked about. But the reality is this word servant and how he talks about himself in the beginning of this letter sets a, sets a tone for the whole rest of the letter. We know this because in other places, like in Galatians, um, Paul uses the, the term apostle. And he, he goes on to describe it as an apostle who was not given this position by man, but by God. And the reason he does that is because all of the, the book of Galatians is, is focused on, hey, I have authority here. Like the issue was they denied Paul's authority and they were denying the gospel and they were going after all these other people. And so right at the beginning, what Paul does is he says, okay, let's set the, let's set the foundation for the rest of this letter. And what we see here as Paul is writing to his friends that he loves, this title sets the foundation for the letter. If you were here last week... Um, Craig talked a little bit about Philippi, and they talked about how Philippi was this place that, that everybody who lived there, well, a lot of people who lived there were retired military, and so they got to be uh, citizens of Rome just by, by kind of de facto, like, hey, you're a citizen of Rome, and you're a citizen, everybody gets citizenship, you get a citizen, you get citizenship, like it's, that was kind of the idea, but, but citizenship for Rome was a big deal. Right? We see it in, uh, in the book of Acts when Paul is being beaten and, and they're like, all right, you were beaten, now go on your way. And he's like, no, 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 you just messed up because guess who I am? I'm a Roman citizen. And they're like, you know, it's like a gasp moment in the New Testament. <gasps> and, you know, they like start running around. It's like, oh, can, can we get you any water? Can we do anything? For you? you know, that's, I'm reading into the text, right? They, like they start scrambling there because his citizenship meant something. It means you can't just beat me for no reason. You can't just do this to me. You can't. And so their citizenship meant something. And right out the gate, Paul is writing to these people and he's saying, first and foremost, let's not forget whose we are. Let's not forget whose we are. Because, see, the reality in Philippi, there were, there were different levels of slavery. Most of the slavery was not what we've experienced in, in our country, uh, in our history. Uh, but there was some of that. And that mo a lot of the slavery, you know, there were, there were just different levels. And yet the, the thing that held true to every level, level of slavery was that you were not your own. You were not your own. You wake up and, and you're thinking, okay, what do I want to do today? I don't know. It's a beautiful day today. Maybe I'll work from home so I can take a long lunch and, and take a walk. That was not the case for, for a slave in Philippi. Right? If, if, like, if I'm a slave, right? If I'm a slave of, let's say, Alex, right? So I'm a slave of Alex. And, and I wake up in the morning, and if I'm Alex's slave, then who do I need to ask for what my day is going to look like? Alex. You're right, Alex. Not a trick question. Right? And hopefully Alex is a nice slave owner, and he lets me take a long lunch. And all. But the reality is, it doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what my likes are. It doesn't matter what my plans are. It doesn't matter what I want to do. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't get worked up about, like, oh, my personal freedoms are this, and, and nobody better, and, you know, step on me. And, you know, and it's like you don't take this position of, like, Come, you, you want to go? You want to step on my freedoms? That's not the position that a slave takes. A position takes this position of saying, hey, what do you want me to do? 
Alex, what do you want my life to be about today? Where do you want me to go today? What do you want me? And, and as Paul writes this letter to these people who, who love their citizenship, he says, remember first and foremost whose you are. As we gather together, the majority of us, the vast majority of us in here, are American citizens. And I think that we get the, the, the ability to be proud of our history and our heritage. We get, to, like, we get to be proud of our citizenship. We go into other countries, we have that American passport, that means something. You know, when we, we went to a concert just Friday night, it was so fun. Uh, it was Sammy Kershaw and... Aaron Tippin and I'm looking at my wife to see if I, is that right? Aaron Tippin and uh, there was one more, but I can't remember. And these, these like old, like, have to be careful. They weren't like old, old, but old enough that they should not have been moving their hips like they were moving their hips, right? And it was like early 90s country, you know, back when country was country. Amen. I'm kidding, but but like yeah, but we we went to this concert and they you know they're singing about the stars and stripes and went, you know bring out the flag and everybody stands up and and there's there's a part of that where it's like yeah we get to be proud of where we are, and yet there is a reality I think if Paul was writing to us, the Church of America, I wonder what it would mean for him to say, hey, servants of Jesus Christ. Yes, we, we love the fact that we get our freedoms, and yet the reality is what, what, what means more than our freedoms as Americans is our position under Jesus Christ. Amen. We, we can't forget, first and foremost, whose we are, because whose we are will we'll speak into who we are. He, he goes on. He goes on to say, servants of Christ Jesus, and then he names who he's writing this to. So all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. We talked about what it means to be in Christ Jesus last week. Um, and verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we read these words, and oftentimes we just fly over them. You know, and we think, again, Paul's just writing, dear Philippi, you know, I was thinking the other day that you were, no, that's not what he's saying. He's actually being uh, very strategic in what he says here. Grace and peace. This is, a, this is a blessing of Paul. That first word, grace, is the Greek word. Uh, I, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. It's the Greek word charis, which means favor. It means favor of God. And we talked last week about how the, the word charis, it sounds a lot like kara. Kara is the Greek word for joy. Joy and grace oftentimes were interchangeable in the Greek language. And so what Paul is saying, first and foremost, he's saying, look, you who are in Christ, we are Christ. This is whose we are. And, and who are you? You are favored ones of God. Favor. Out of favor comes joy as God looks at you. He delights in you. I was reading this morning that three different times in the Old Testament, uh, there, there's this term that's called, uh, we as God's people are described as the apple of his eye. I never really understood what that meant. Uh, oh, she's the apple of my eye. What is that? I, there's no apple. I, I, don't, I don't get it. But as I was reading, they talked about how, like, if you're an, like, sometimes an apple, you can see your reflection, and then the eye kind of looks like an apple, and I'm like, I don't know, that seems like a stretch. But anyway, but they, what they talked about is that term actually meant that when I look at you, 
I get to see me in your eye because you are looking at me. You delight in me. You see me. When, when I, you look at me, you don't turn away. Right? The, over and over we see that Paul is saying, grace, favored ones of God. And he says grace and peace. Peace, that word means shalom. It, it, means, it means wholeness. I think lots of times we walk around in this world as walking wounded people, as people that are looking for for the completion to our souls. We're looking for for something that's going to make us feel right. And what Paul says here in the very beginning, he says, this is who you are. And who are you? You're people that get to experience the favor of God and the wholeness that comes from the relationship with God. Isn't that beautiful? He's not, he's not giving throwaway words. This isn't like what, when we show up on a Sunday morning and we say, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing good too. All right, good. That was a throwaway. I mean, what if you came and you're like, how are you doing today? You know, actually, I'm really struggling. Oh, uh, okay, I just expect you to say good, and I'd say good, and then we'd walk in our seats, and, but, but okay, let's get, you know, lots of times we use these throwaway words. That's not what Paul's doing. He's saying, look, remember whose you are. We are servants of Christ Jesus, and who are you? You are a favored one of God who gets to experience wholeness in this relationship with God. And he goes on to kind of unpack this a little bit more as we go on verse 3. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Do you, do you see even in the language that Paul uses, uh, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray. With, like he's, he's using this kind of extreme language. He's saying, look, this is all y'all. Like, we are all in this together. We, we, get, to, we get to be in this together. And, and then what's he saying in verse 5? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. We're going to say just a little bit more of this in a few minutes. But that word partnership, it means it's koinonia in Greek. It's the Greek word for fellowship. When he's, when he's using this term, he's saying, we all are in this. We all are Jesus Christ's servants. This is whose we are. This is who we are as a group. You see, part of experiencing joy, part of experiencing identity is belonging. Identity plus belonging equals transformation. See, what Paul is doing there is he's creating this sense of belonging. We are together in this. We'll say a little bit more about that in just a few seconds. But then verse 6, being confident of this. Saying this is who we are. We're, this is whose we are. This is who we are. We're all in this together. And here's my confidence in that. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What Paul is doing there is he's saying, look, and when, we, when we think about whose we are and who we are, I think we need to think about, like, what has happened. See, what, what Paul is saying there, he's, he's looking at what happened before. In Acts 16, you see the beginning of the church, and he's looking, he's saying, look, in the very beginning, you were partnering with me, right? In, in the very beginning, the first day until now. And he's saying, this is what's happening now, and... Not only do we look at what happened, what's happening, but we can look forward to what will happen. And I, and I love it because what Paul is doing there is he's saying, look, this is where my confidence lies. A lot of times we forget 
I really believe we forget to have confidence in what is going to happen because we forget the faithfulness of God in what has happened. Especially for those of us who have been Christians for a long time. Right? We forget, the longer we're Christians, we forget that our salvation was a miracle of God. Amen? I was talking to a friend of mine who was in ministry with me a while ago, and he said, you know, uh, there, there was a time where I never really saw God as that good because I never saw myself as that bad. Right? See, the, the reality is we forget that us being saved, we forget the Bible says that we were enemies of God. The Bible says that we all have sinned, all like sheep have gone astray. He, the Bible says that he put on him the, the condemnation that we should have experienced. See, our salvation is a miracle, church. And when we forget that, we forget why do we do what we do right now? And where are we going in the future? See, Paul looks at what happened, what is happening, and what will happen. And, and I love it because at the end of all of it, he says, look, here's where my confidence lies. It's important to remember these different things. If we're going to remember whose we are so we can remember who we are, it's important to remember those things. It's important to remember, like, like a, a marriage, right? Sometimes, like, the whole, oh, the old ball and chain and all that stuff. That, I think the reason things like that happen, the reason we have that mindset, is we forget that I'm married to my best friend. I actually really like this person. I actually really have a lot of fun with this person. And we forget because life kicks us in our teeth. We forget because the water heater breaks, we forget because we forget date night. And we forget because, you know, all these other things. And, and I, all throughout Scripture, what we see is God telling his people, remember, 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 remember who I am. Remember what I've done. Remember whose you are and who you are. Remember. But, but Paul goes on and he says, the confidence I have not only is, is what God has done, but what you are doing, what's happening right now. But the confidence I have is in the faithfulness of Christ. You see, the, this church, they sent Paul out after the church was, was established. You can read in the book of Acts. After the church was established, they sent Paul out. And they sent different... Actually, uh, a lot of people believe that this letter was written in response to a gift that was sent to Paul. And so he's writing a kind of a Thanksgiving letter. And he's reminding them of who they are and saying how thankful he is for them. And, and, and that's all part of that. That they are, they are with him in his ministry. And yet his, his security... Security, his confidence isn't in their ability to remember him. It's not in their ability to be faithful to Paul, but it's in Jesus' ability to be faithful to them. Right? See, when we go through situations, when we go through different things, it's so easy for us to forget whose we are. It's easy for, it's so easy to forget whose we are, so, and then, then it's easy to forget who we are, and then what happens is we, we function in a world where, man, it's broken, and then we're broken, and it's all broken, and it's just so tiring. We, the reality is we, we need these reminders because you and I, every day, we leak Right? We leak vision. We leak passion. We leak faith. I, I remember when I was a teenager, 
I, um, I was working for my dad at the salvage yard in Brashear, Missouri, very glamorous job. Um, and I remember, I remember one, I think it was like a Friday night, it was either Friday night or Saturday night, and I was so close to being done. So close to being done. And, uh, you know, it's like I had been working all day, and I was filthy, and I was hot, and I was tired, and my friends were waiting, you know, and it's like, it wasn't texting back then, but it was like, okay, I know my friends, we have this plan, and all this. I don't even know how we made the plan. How, how do we live before we had smartphones? Who, know, who knows, right? But, but I remember I was like, okay, I got one more thing to do, and my dad was like, hey, before you leave, it's like, oh, you know, trying to sneak away, like, Oh, I need to go to the bathroom, you know, trying to sneak away. My dad, hey, before you leave, why don't you run over and pick up this bag? I had to run over to this other place on the other side of town, which Brashear is not very big, 280 people. I had to go on the other side of town, get this battery, and come back, and then I was free. So I, I jump in the truck, just this truck that had a D-tag on it, and it was a stick shift, and I go down to this other shop, and I, I park, and I jump out of the truck, and I run across the street, Highway uh, 63, Old 63 runs right through Brashear, and I run across, and I go in the shop, and they give me the battery, and I turn around, and I run back out, and the truck's gone. I thought, I don't need this. Somebody stole my truck. I'm so, I'm ready to go. I, I'm just, I can taste it. I'm so close. And as I'm like, what in the world? I see this like activity out of the corner of my eye. And in my memory, it's like a slow motion, you know, like where you turn, it's like. <laughs> what happened, I believe what happened is I parked the truck and I put it in gear, but it must have jumped out of gear. Yeah, jumped out of gear, and it rolled down. The wheel was turned. It rolled down, and it crossed this busy highway, Highway 63, crossed the highway. Praise God, nobody got hit. But it ran into the ditch where there were all these trees that had been cut off about hip high. And so when that truck met those trees, one of those trees caught the, the back of the truck and just opened it from the back to the front like a can opener. It was like a, like a can of sardines. Like it actually... <laughs> peeled it like that. Never seen something like that before. And then it just sat there, like, in midair. And in that moment, I just blacked out. I don't even remember what happened. I, I don't remember what I did with the battery. I don't remember. All I remember was, I am dead. My life's over. It's been a good run, 17 years. I was dead. And, and in my state of dysphoria, in my state of blackout, I was told later that what started pouring out of my mouth was just a steady stream of expletives. I'm 17 years old. My dad, I'm a small town. If you guys lived in a small town, you know what that's like. People make up stories to just make themselves, to pass the time. They make up stories. You don't have to give anybody uh, gossip. Like, they just make it up. And here I am just giving people something to talk about. And, and I remember thinking, I'm not going to go home. And my mom's like, oh, you got to come home. I'm like, I'm not coming home. And, my, and so I finally got home. And, and my dad, you know, like, he, it was, he was very gracious. And, and he sat me down. And, and I just, rem, I don't remember how it happened. But I just remember him saying, you know, Luke, one of, the, one of the biggest things about this is that the guys that were running around trying to make sure everything was okay, they, they told me that, they couldn't believe that you were a Hedinger. They couldn't believe you were my son because of what was pouring out of your mouth in that moment. See, to, to be a Hedinger meant something. 
to be a, to be a headinger, you know, it was like, well, we don't talk like that. And I, I think at times we forget who we are because we forget whose we are. And we go out into our world and we, we say things that people are like, you're, you're a Christian? Oh, that, that's how a Christian would react? That's how a Christian talks? That's how, that's how we talk to each other? That's how you talk to brothers and sisters in Christ? And it causes this just like rub and it doesn't make sense. And then we're left kind of in this weird state because we forget whose we are. So we forget who we are. See, Paul reminds me, he says, look, remember what's been done for you. Remember. And yeah, there's faithfulness right now. God is working in Compass Church. And God wants to continue to work in Compass Church. And it's not because we are so faithful. It's not because we are so amazing. But it's because we serve a God who is faithful and amazing. Amen? See, it reminds me of like when, when if, if any of you have rock climbed before. Like the, the scariest part of rock climbing, you get that harness on and you get, the, you get the rope and all these things and somebody else is holding the rope and, and you start to climb up and you get to the very top. That's the scariest part of rock climbing. You know why? Because at that point, it no longer, you have no control. What, what do you do at that point? Anybody rock climbed in here? Anybody done that? Yeah, what do you do? You got to let go, right? You get to the very top. I remember one of the first times I did this. I got to the very top, and I was like, I was feeling good. And then I realized, like, what do I do now? Right? I was just feeling good. I got to the top. And then I was just holding on. Everybody's like, hey, you got to let go. I was like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not letting go. And it's like, maybe I can. No, I can't do that. My arms are starting to shake, and I'm holding on. And there's that moment where people are like, let go. I got you. There's always that moment where you just have to lean back and let go. See, but we, I don't think we can do that if we don't first remember who's holding that rope. See, we can't be who God has called us to be if we don't remember whose we are. See, see, church, my prayer for us is that we would be a people of transformation. Not just, not just behavior modification. Not just doing the right things, checking the list off. That doesn't bring joy. That brings drudgery. Right? Or it brings pridefulness, which isn't good either. Right? But when we remember, wow. Oh, this is whose I am. This is who Jesus is. See, this past week, there's been so many times where I've remembered, as I'm, as I'm studying this passage, it's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the midst of my frustration, in the, see, we all experience times and situations where life is hard, and it feels like we just want to give up, and it's like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be this anymore. I don't want to, you know, and it's like we're just holding on. And this past week, it's been so, like, there have been times where I've remembered this verse, and it's like, man, I can breathe. And one of the things that I've went through, and just personally, as I was thinking about this verse, and I, I would encourage you to, to kind of walk through this soon. This, we'll land the plane here. I think that as we think about this passage, as we think about whose we are and who we are, 
I think the first thing that we have to do when we find ourselves in situations where life is hard, we got to let go, but we don't want to. Life, life is just hitting us. I think the first thing we have to do is ask ourselves, what am I feeling right now? That seems like a simple question, like a no-brainer. But how many times it's like, hey, is everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine. Really? Doesn't seem like everything's fine. Seems like there's something going on. What do you mean? I'm happy. You know, it's like, okay. And there's these, there's these times where we have to stop and be like, okay, what am I feeling right now? What's going on in me? I'm breathing really hard and my, my vision's blurring. <laughs> like, what, what's, what's happening in me? And, and then the, the second question is, what does this feeling reveal about my belief in this situation? Where I'm at right now. The first time I wrote this, I put, what does this feeling reveal about my beliefs of this situation? You see, the reality is it doesn't have anything to do about the situation we find ourselves in. Paul was writing this from jail. And this wasn't like a posh, like, 24-hour holding cell. This was like Roman prison. This is, this is... I mean, if, he, if his friends don't bring him food, he dies. Type of jail. And you see, his, his hope wasn't in his, his freedom. It wasn't in the fact that, oh, I'll be found innocent. It was in the fact that Jesus is faithful in the midst of our situations. And so the question is, as we think about, what am I feeling right now? I'm feeling angry. Okay, well, what, what does this feeling reveal about my belief in this situation? Well... I think right now I'm feeling really sad. If I, if I were to walk that back, feeling really sad, I'm feeling helpless. And here's, here's all this stuff going on. I feel helpless in the midst of it. Which leads us to the third question. Is there a truth I'm struggling to believe? Is there a truth I'm struggling to believe right now in this situation? See, Paul writes and he says, my, my confidence is this, that he who began a good work in you will see it through to the day of Christ Jesus. And that day of Christ Jesus is actually the day, if you read like Romans 8, it's the day in which everything will be put right. The tears that we shed will, be, will, will come undone. Everything sad will be untrue. See, he's saying, look, we have, we have hope in the midst of our situations. And sometimes it's really easy for us to forget that. We forget who we are because we forget whose we are. See, church, this morning, what I would encourage you to do as we think about these different things, as we think about what, is it, what does it mean for me to belong to Jesus? What does it mean for me to have identity? What does it mean for me to have What does it mean for me to be a person of joy? The, the reality is there are so many pitfalls as soon as we walk out that door. Maybe even beforehand. You're, maybe, maybe you're sitting here right now and you're saying, yeah, but. Yeah, I hear you saying that, but. Yeah, I hear you saying that, but here's my experience. You don't know my home life. You don't know my history. You don't know what I've gone through. And you're telling me that I need to stop and feel my feelings? We think of this as hippy-dippy, like, oh, yeah, maybe. I was going to say maybe women do that. That's sexist. I know. That's terrible, right? And this is the one that's recorded. But, But sometimes we can get this, like, I don't feel my, other people might feel their feelings. I mean, I, 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 for a long time, I was like, I don't cry, I'm a man. <laughs> but there are so many times where when we stop, church, we, we walk out of here, and we can either walk out as walking wounded, ready to 
shoot everything around us with like truth bombs or we can walk out knowing whose we are I'm a child of God that I'm a person that has experienced favor that I'm a person who in Christ Jesus I'm, I'm complete and we can walk out and we can go into arguments and we don't have to we don't have to get big we don't have to use shame we don't have to oh yeah if you love Jesus you do this we don't have to do that. See, in church, I believe Columbia, Missouri, the people around us are dying to experience people who have experienced true transformation. Amen. Let, let me pray for us. God, God, we praise you for your goodness to us. We praise you that you are, you are a good God. I praise you that even when we're tempted to, to believe other things, God, you, you're there for us. You, you pour yourself out on us, God. You, you are that father looking for his child, ready to, ready to hold them in all their mess. I praise you, God. I praise you for that. And I pray, God, that you would help us to remember whose we are so that we can remember who we are. We love you. It's in your name. Amen. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.